Hello, Melbourne Church. I am so pleased to be with you. I'm Mark Frost. I'm a partner with Interim Ministry Partners. And I'm here because this church is going through a time of transition. You're transitioning from the long and successful ministry of your beloved Steve Puckett to a new minister whom you do not know yet, but who we pray will be a successful builder of the kingdom just as Steve has been. I've made it my work the last eight years to work with congregations that are in transition. Through my work with Interim Ministry Partners, I have been with eight congregations as they have transitioned from one minister to another. And I've seen God do some pretty amazing things in the lives of those congregations. And I am, I am certain that God has amazing things in mind for the Melbourne Church as you go through this time of transition. You see, we think of transition as a time of abnormality, but I want to suggest to you that God's people are almost always in a transitional stage. It's been happening for centuries. It's been happening for millennia. It goes back all the way to the time of the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt, heading out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the promised land that God had given them. And of course, to get to that promised land, they had to go across the wilderness. As it turns out, the Bible has a great deal to say about the wilderness. And many of God's people, the people closest to his heart and to his mission, spent time in the wilderness. Of course, Jesus, before he began his public ministry, spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And then there's David, the king of, of all kings in the Old Testament, who, before he could actually take the throne and govern the country, spent years in the wilderness, fleeing from the previous king, King Saul. And then, of course, the ultimate example is the Israelites who left Egypt and who had to cross the wilderness to get to their promised land. Writing about that experience, Michael Walzer, in his commentary on Exodus, says there are three things that are true of us. First, wherever you are, it's most likely Egypt. Secondly, there's a better place where God wants you to be, and that is the promised land. And finally, the way to that promised land, and he would add, the only way to that promised land is across or through the wilderness. And so I want to talk to you about that wilderness experience today as you go through that transition period as a congregation. And to get our bearings, I want us to look at a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 2, where Moses is reflecting to the Israelites after their wilderness experience, reflecting back on what that experience had been about and what it meant. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to Him and revering Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, 
a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Now the wilderness in the Bible becomes a word picture for a particular phase in our spiritual lives. It's a phase of in-betweenness, a, a time when all the props have been knocked out from under us, a time when what was familiar has been taken away, and we're not sure where we'll wind up or what it will be like when we get there. When we're in the wilderness, we lose our bearings. Rather than facing each day with a clear sense of purpose, we just wander from one thing to the next, uh, just feeling that we're at the mercy of forces that are far more powerful than us. Can you relate to that? I tell you, since we first planned my time to be with you back in February and now, we've all had an education in being in the wilderness, in being in a time when nothing is familiar, the props have been knocked out from under us, and even the simplest things, we have to figure out new ways to do them. Uh, we are definitely in a transition time as a whole world right now with this COVID-19 pandemic, aren't we? Well, that wilderness uh, motif becomes a metaphor for places in our spiritual lives, places where we're kind of in between the times. We've left one place, but we're not quite to the next place. And I want to suggest to you that this is a metaphor for dry places or dry times in our lives. And there are times that we are dry spiritually where, where God seems distant, or we can be dry emotionally, um, where at best we're numb, at worst we're depressed. We can be dry physically, where we're dealing with some illness or other physical challenges. We can be dry relationally, where we are um, being with family and friends doesn't bring the joy that it once did, or we have blocks in certain relationships where once we were close to someone and we're not just now not as close as we were. Or we can be in a dry place financially, uh, where we're stressed by or, or challenged by obligations and debt. Um, the wilderness can be an individual experience, or it can be a group experience. About eight years ago, I went through a very severe personal wilderness experience when I lost my, my wife of, of 40 years uh, to pancreatic cancer. That was a difficult time, a difficult wilderness that I endured as an individual. But sometimes we go through wilderness experiences as a group. And although this is not a traumatic wilderness experience as in the loss of a loved one, I would suggest that your transition as a congregation between Steve and your next minister uh, is a group wilderness experience. And yes, there is some sadness and some grief that goes along with that, along with some unique challenges that go along with that as well. The question is, how did we get to this wilderness place in our lives? And there are several possible answers. The first answer is that we may be in the wilderness through the action of others. A spouse leaves. A lawsuit is filed against you. Or a child is killed by a drunk driver. None of these your fault, none asked for or wanted in the least, but because of the actions of other people, you find yourself in that wilderness place in your life. 
Or it could be that you're in the wilderness through your own choices. You take a job that winds up taking you away from your family for significant periods of time, and then your family pays the price for that and you find yourself in the wilderness due to a choice that you made. Or you choose to go into debt for something that you really, really, really want, and then you find that debt to be a crushing burden and you're in a financial wilderness. Again, a wilderness because of choices that you've made. Or it could be that you're in a wilderness through life's circumstances. You know, life just happens. And, and one of the phrases that I think resonates with me as being the most true is something I heard a few years ago that says life is hard for most people most of the time. And that really turns out to be true, doesn't it? Life is hard for most people most of the time. And there are just times that circumstances seem to conspire against us. A, a spouse dies. A child becomes desperately ill. A company closes its doors. Or, or you receive a dreaded medical diagnosis. Just life's circumstances can sometimes put us in a wilderness place. But I want to suggest to you, fourthly, that we may find ourselves in the wilderness at times through direct action of God. Now that's what happened with the Israelites. God freed them from slavery. He could have, through his miraculous power, instantly transported them to the promised land, but he didn't. He led them, and he led them into the wilderness. And I want to suggest to you that, that often after great victories like the Israelites had over the forces of Pharaoh, often we find ourselves in wilderness experiences. I find often people who have just been baptized and had the joy of receiving Jesus for the very first time in their lives, soon after they find themselves in a wilderness. Uh, it may be by the direct action of God that that happens. In fact, Jesus, when he went into the wilderness, it, the Bible doesn't say that he wandered into the wilderness, that he lost his way and discovered that he was in the wilderness, not even that he chose to go into the wilderness. Mark chapter 1 verse 12 says very clearly that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus was there by direct action of God. Now, we don't like that. Uh, it doesn't sit well with us because we have the idea that if we're in the wilderness, that it must be because we disappointed God in some way. But I want to suggest to you that if you find yourself in a wilderness circumstance in your life, that it may be because that's exactly where God wants you at this particular phase in your spiritual life. And that, that's hard to accept because here's the reality, the wilderness is not fun. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 15 says that the wilderness is vast and dreadful, a thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions. And we're not too keen on that, are we? In fact, we're just not keen on pain at all. Whenever I visit the doctor and they ask me that question, are you allergic to anything? I always say, yes, I'm allergic to pain. And if you want to do surgery on me, here's the deal. You put me to sleep and then you don't wake me up until it stops hurting. <laughs> you see, we don't like pain. We don't like to experience pain. And I want to suggest to you the world around us really sees no purpose to pain. And so the world does whatever it can do to cover up pain, to numb it, to flee from it, 
to deny it, uh, to medicate it any way they possibly can. But we're not of the world. And the reality is that if we belong to God, we can find some kind of purpose to many of the painful experiences that, that we go through. Because God works through all circumstances. Now, does God intentionally inflict pain on us? I would suggest that, that the times that he does that are quite rare. But when we find ourselves in, per, in painful circumstances, God is at work. He is at work among us. And so we deal with painful challenges the way the Israelites did. Uh, we grumble, we gripe, we complain, and we play the victim. But I want to suggest to you that some of God's greatest gifts come through the experience of pain. And if that's not true, then the death of Jesus on the cross was a cruel joke. Which leads us to say that the wilderness experience is normal for God's people. When we go through the wilderness, it's easy for us to conclude that something is horribly wrong because, you see, most of us have this idea that if we live right, if we obey God's law, if we serve Him, and if we honor Him, then He is going to reward us by blessing us 24-7. And if He doesn't, then we believe that either we have failed God or somehow the promises of God have failed us. But Jesus promised us that, uh, but Jesus never promised us that, nor did the Bible. In fact, the Bible makes it quite clear that the opposite is true. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. When all is going well and circumstances are favorable to us and we are being blessed, there are times when we say, oh, this is such a God thing. When we receive an unexpected blessing from God, we tell our friends, oh, it was just such a God thing. But I want to suggest to you that sometimes when we're in the wilderness, that is a God thing as well. That God wants us there because there's something that he needs to accomplish in our life that can only be accomplished in the wilderness. Sometimes the wilderness is a God thing, though often we don't call it that. And so that leads us to the idea that the wilderness is necessary. The passage we just read in Deuteronomy tells us a couple reasons why. First of all, it's a place of testing. God said, I led you in the wilderness to know whether you would really listen to me. The wilderness is where the strategies we've developed for making it in life stop working, and we panic. The test is, will we cry out to God and seek Him and His help alone and wait for that help even through difficult circumstances, or will we panic turn our backs on God and decide, well, I just might as well handle this my own way as well. I have a friend who a number of years ago lost his job with a church, and the very same week his wife lost her job with the local public schools. They were scared to death. They thought they would starve. They saw no way they could make it. They were angry. 
at those who had terminated their employment. They were angry with God. But several years later, I saw them, and I asked, how are, they, how are you doing? They said, oh, Mark, God is so good. We panicked when we first lost our jobs, but God has seen us through at every turn, and we have learned that he is absolutely reliable no matter what. Our faith has grown so much as a result of that wilderness that we've been through. And often that is the purpose that God allows us to go through a wilderness as well. The wilderness is a place of testing. It's also a place of revelation. In verse 2 of, of Deuteronomy 8, Moses says that God led you all the way for 40 years and he revealed himself to you. Do you realize that God revealed himself to the Israelites in the wilderness in the fullest way that he would ever reveal himself to anyone before the coming of Jesus Christ? God led these ex-slaves from Egypt, ex-slaves who did not even know his name. He led them into the wilderness, and there in the wilderness on Mount Sinai, he came down and he gave them the Ten Commandments, and he revealed his character to them, and he left them with laws that they could follow that would draw them closer to him. And often it's in the wilderness that we come to know God in a way that we would not have other, otherwise. I think of Job. After all he went through in Job chapter 42, verse 5, he said to God, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. How did, God, how did Job come to know God so intimately? Through the experience, through that wilderness experience that he went through, experience of loss and pain. Having lost a spouse, I've talked to other widows and widowers, and I will tell you that almost universally those who are believers say, it was hard to lose my spouse, but in the grieving process that took place afterwards, I came to know God in a way that I never had before. And then the wilderness is necessary because it's a place of transformation. You see, the Israelites left, it, left Egypt as slaves. Forty years later, they entered the Promised Land as a nation, a nation with a clear identity, with an army to protect themselves, with a law by which they could be governed, with social institutions that could serve the common good. How did that all happen? Well, it happened through the wilderness experience, that personal transformation that, that takes place in us, that God seeks to bring about in us, often takes place in wilderness experiences. Well, the wilderness is necessary, but I want to end on a note of good news, and that is that the wilderness is temporary. For the Israelites, they'd been in the wilderness for 40 years, but now it was over. And at the end of the wilderness, there is a celebration of what God has done. You as the Melbourne Church are in a transition period. And it's been a prolonged transition period because it began with this horrible pandemic. And you're going to be feeling your way through with the pandemic and through the process of finding a new minister both at the same time. But I want to encourage you by telling you that all of this is temporary. There is a day of great celebration coming. I've been blessed to walk with eight different congregations through this transition process. And eight different times I have been blessed to meet with the congregation as they celebrated not only a new minister, but as they celebrated what God had done through them up to that point in their history, 
and especially what God had accomplished among them during that transition time. I know that there is a time of great celebration that lies ahead for the Melbourne Church, and I honestly pray for God to bring you to that point. Now, if you remember your Bible stories, you recall that the heroes of the Bible were not always good, they were not always obedient, they were not always faithful, they were not always righteous. They had flaws, and sometimes they were glaring flaws. But what they had in common was that they trusted God even in their wilderness times. And I'm inviting you today to trust God through your wilderness times because He is faithful.